0: LifeWay Lifeway Leadership Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Now, Derek, we do do a little bit of banter. Um, Some people don't enjoy it. What? Yeah, they don't. They don't. Who? Like just the banter just generally. Like some people don't enjoy that
1: sort of, you know Oh not our banter. You're yeah, just just, saying just
0: gentle nudging just generally. Yeah,
1: yeah. okay. Well I think you need to make a differentiation here. You're saying banter out there in general. That's right. Not, I'm not necessarily. Necessarily our banter. Our banter. Our banter. banter out there. Yeah, okay. Well lucky we're not doing it today. That's correct. That's mm. exactly
0: why I was we I was pausing. I was just putting Excellent. a pause on the banter. Good. The one thing's brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, we're also proudly part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. But for now, you've pressed play on an episode, a special episode, with Richard Koken from the Co-Mission Network in the United Kingdom.
1: So Richard is the Executive Director of the Co-Mission Network. Uh, He is the Senior Pastor of Dundonald Anglican Church uh, in London. He's an author. He is a part of the Planting Collective, which is Acts 29 FIC and Co-Mission Planting Network in London. Married to Sean, five kids. He's just a great guy.
0: Now, this is a bit of a sui generous episode. Unique. <laughs> <laughs> unique. Oh, my goodness. A unique episode. Derek is going to be interviewing uh, Richard, and so he's flying solo. Yeah, yeah. Here's a little thing about uh, Richard. He
1: spent. Seven years six, six years. years in Townsville in Townsville yeah that's right so when was an college. engineer yeah yeah there you go so anyway yeah so I got have the privilege of catching up with Richard after he'd come and done something for Geneva here on resilience and evangelism and so we had a chat through some things that he mentioned there
2: <music>
1: Welcome to the one thing we have a special edition today we have Richard Coken joining us welcome Richard thank you it's good to have you we've um, enjoyed the morning with you at a conference around resilience and evangelism. But you're in Australia for a little while. What are you doing while you're here?
2: I'm mainly doing a house party for a Church by the Bridge uh, over the weekend on uh, Jonah. But I've also got some uh, MT&D training for uh, clergy pastors on Monday and a couple of conferences today and tomorrow for Geneva Bush and for uh, Evangelism New Churches and the Priscilla and Aquila people and a radio, radio interview, I think. So just... A number of things. And I brought my daughter with me as well just to Lovely. come and see this beautiful country. What does she think? She wants to come and live here. She's only been here two days. <laughs> yeah. It's the depths of winter and we got burnt on the beach yesterday. So uh, <laughs> I'm not feeling very sorry for you all, to be honest. <laughs>
1: um, now, you, you're you working in London. Uh, you're an author. You're the senior pastor of, of Dundonald. Uh, you're also the direct executive director of Co-Mission. Yeah. And, so and you're involved more widely as well in the UK in a number of areas. Uh, as you, you're you seeing the gospel climate in the UK and the challenges for gospel workers, what are you seeing as the key parts and the key challenges for them?
2: Well, in many ways, many of the challenges haven't changed. They're the same in every generation and uh, the challenges of our own personal sin and uh, lack of compassion for people and love for Jesus, those things are, are true in every generation. But I'm, I think anybody coming from London or the UK would say, That dealing with the uh, emergent ideology of personal autonomy that's familiar in the non American, well, in the American West as well, Uh, throughout the West. You know, this whole um, that whatever, that the culture is becoming more and more febrile in uh, opposition to Christian morality, particularly on issues of sex and gender and uh, same sex marriage and so on. And There are others who will speak, people like Sam Albury speak very eloquently about the culture that that, uh, we're now facing evangelistically. And it's quite hostile to Christian things. And particularly the idea that whatever feels like it's liberating uh, from the suppression of traditional values, anything that uh, feels that is it's bringing equality, uh, however sinful something is, that uh, we should be supporting that so it's, it's really challenging uh the idea of a creator who's designed us to whom we're accountable and saying we create ourselves and uh you know the gospel is reaching into that culture and, and there's hostility towards christian morality
1: mm. is your how long have you been involved in christian ministry for uh well
2: i'm 158 now so um <laughs> So you, 30, 30, you years, under, thirty years,
1: thirty years paid paid ministry. Thirty years yeah. paid ministry. Okay. Uh, so in that thirty years, which and you've seen a significant amount of both joy, I suspect, but also conflict and suffering in that time. What are the places though that, that the what are the hardest things you've faced, and where have they come from? Outside the church, inside personal life. Where's it been?
2: Well, I think um, every culture is hardened to the gospel because. You know, the Bible tells us that people are spiritually dead without Jesus. So in one sense, uh, it's always hard. I think um, ministry pressures, you know, volume of work, um, stress on family, um, you know, being poorly designed, sometimes purpose-driven ministries and so on can help uh, avoid burnout as well as help with growth of a church. But the primary pressures that most people in paid ministry feel are obviously personal family issues Mm. where there's personal illness, children um, facing sickness, where there's a conflict in marriage, seasons of, of uh, struggle in marriage, those are always hard for every minister and uh, we really need to support each other and our teams through those periods. Mm.
1: How have you, in those moments where personal issues have arisen and emerged as they do in a sinful world, a broken world, and your ministry has been running alongside of that, which may have been going brilliantly, how have those two things intersected and collided and how have, you, how have you grappled with that?
2: I think inevitably, you know, you have to keep doing your job so there's a sense in which you, you uh, try and keep going publicly. But I think privately often for many ministers behind the scenes there are struggles and as there are for everyone else as well. Let's not make something peculiar, special about ministers in that sense. But I think I um, mean, I was teaching for one Peter this morning Peter's, or speaking to Christians under pressure, facing opposition, and particularly encouraging them to to look up to God, to humble themselves, and to cast all their anxieties upon Him, knowing that He cares for us, and to do that in prayer uh, is the first thing. I think to look out for Satan, to recognise we have an enemy who's prowling around trying to devour and swallow us whole, and to resist him by standing firm in the faith, and particularly to do that, um, recognising we're not alone. That Our brothers and sisters around the world are facing similar things and much worse things. Mm -hmm. Um, So try not to be full of self-pity. And then also look forward to glory. Um, You know, 1 Peter is full of how uh, we're—God has given us trials, fiery trials, to to, um, purify our faith. Uh, Satan will take the same experiences and make them temptations to believe lies about God. But uh, uh, God is using those hardships to— Purify us to strengthen us more like Jesus, so to to look up to God, cast our anxieties on Him, look out for Satan, resist and stand firm in the faith, and then thirdly, look forward uh, to glory. And I have found all of those things are dealt with in prayer, and in particular for me, the Lord's prayer. Um, I've written on that before, and I just found for myself the Lord's prayer. Praying the Lord's prayer every day does those things. It it helps me to dump on my anxieties on God because I can't cope with them, leave them to him, uh, to ask for his deliverance from evil and uh, and then to, to look forward to glory, you know, that your kingdom come, constantly focus on the future, that this is for a short time, an eternity. Gazing at the the uh, wow glory of God is uh, an extraordinary encouragement to keep mm. going. So I do think praying, I know it's, there's nothing original on this, just I just find the Lord's bread itself To pray that each day And some of the things in, in, in ministry You know when you've got stresses in the staff team uh, You know Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us um, You know you can't Harbour your resentments If you're uh, being a forgiving Person because we've been forgiven So I think those kind of daily struggles uh, Worries about money uh, Anxieties for the church For yourself about uh, finance and so on You know, give us this day our daily bread you know, the Lord's Prayer just covers it all. So I find the Lord's Prayer is just a wonderful way of doing the things that Peter was saying, looking up to God, looking out for Satan, looking forward to glory. Mm. Sorry, that was all whole talk, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: no, that's fine because I was going to ask, how how have you avoided that move from bitterness taking root in the heart and how's prayer, the Lord's Prayer, particularly you spoke about today, um, mm. what aspects of the Lord's Prayer is it that you've meditated on in order to root out that bitterness, in order to refocus you and recalibrate and move forward?
2: Um, I wouldn't claim I'm free of it com- continually. I mean, I think bitterness and resentment lurk in all our hearts to some degree. So I think it's an ongoing struggle to do that. For myself, I think the Lord's Prayer, the first words, our Father in heaven, are extraordinary. They summarize the whole achievement of Christ. They summarize the whole uh, glory of the gospel and of the word of God, you know, the, that the living God is our Father in heaven. And I think, of course, Jesus was a genius, and he knew if we understand who God now is, he's our Father in heaven, he's our Dad who loves us to bits, who wants the best for us, becoming like Jesus, constantly listening, constantly caring, loves us. If we keep meditating on that and come to him to rediscover he loves us, he's on our side, he's not against us, he's... Um, everything in life gets put into perspective in the right place if you begin there so to begin with my father who loves me uh, sovereign and good in heaven work through his concerns the hallowing of his name uh, the coming of his kingdom not mine for his will to be done not mine or anyone else's Uh, everything just gets dealt with and then to our own concerns for for daily health and food Uh, to understand his word to teach it to others forgiveness for our sins um, and then uh, uh, to rescue us from evil. And I do think in ministry, you know, we recognise we have an enemy and recognise that the Lord can lead us through and out of that evil. I um, you know, find the Lord's prayer puts everything right. Mm. Jesus knew what he was talking about, as usual. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Uh,
1: as you've watched young leaders move through the system of emerging co-mission and beyond, um, are you seeing there is less resilience in people who are coming through and leaders who are coming through or are you finding that there's greater pressures which mean even the same kind of resilience will eventually wear away what are you seeing a change in generations there
2: i don't know I mean, my generation um i get the impression people say that the younger people are a bit less tough you know snowflake millennials kind of language although I suspect that every generation of 50- and 60-year-olds has said that about 20-year-olds. And it may be that a generation that's been raised on approval uh, will find criticism um, particularly difficult to cope with. But having said that, the quality of the young leaders coming through, um, I mean, certainly the young preachers that I'm hearing are streets ahead of where I was at their age, I think I think uh, many of them are much more grown up. Uh, I think teenagers are carrying much bigger burdens, much more grown up, much more thoughtful and careful about decisions. There's an integrity too to the new generation. You know, I was brought up with a whole kind of power struggle approach, the 80s and 90s, and I think there's a great integrity in young people today. Mm. And they're looking for integrity and honesty rather than power and success. That's a generalization. Mm. Um, and I think some of the young leaders coming through are, are really terrific in their godliness, their love of Jesus, their love of God's word. And so I have I have great hopes for them, actually. I think um, they'll go further than we did. I fear for them um, because I think the pressure of the ideology is becoming aggressive. And I think the threat of court and uh, public humiliation is growing and, you know, pub- um Social media just means that anything that's said just goes viral, global, straight away, and everybody's, you know, you're humiliated in a moment. Um, And I think some of us need to lead on that. You know, we're very good at preaching to our congregations about making a stand and taking the costs of being a Christian publicly, and uh, certainly in London, lots of Pentecostal uh, people are losing their jobs for their stand. I think as Christian ministers, we need to prepare to do the same, lead by example, and People will always respect integrity. So, uh, no, I'm not negative about the new d- next generation, but I do think the pressure is will become more aggressive.
1: Just last question. How are you seeing um, suffering? You mentioned when you were talking about uh, through 1P this morning the connection of suffering to resilience and character. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just outline that for us quickly?
2: I think you can't become like Jesus without suffering, you know, we're going to take up a cross and follow Him. You you just can't become more like Jesus without going through periods of trials of faith, where our Father is allowing us to suffer in order to purify and clarify what we believe about Him, and to cast ourselves upon Him in faith. And so we we don't want to be like the the clean-shirted winger in the rugby changing room, you know, you know, with the forwards all covered in blood and mud and torn, and there's the clean-shirted winger, which I was one of them once. You know, with no mud, no scars, nothing, hardly in the match. We don't want to arrive in front of Jesus with nothing to show for the Christian life. So I think we need to welcome the battles and the hardships as painful and difficult, but periods in which we're becoming more like Jesus.
1: Hmm. The David Kemp of the world.
2: Yeah. I was thinking more of uh, some of the English (laughs) players myself. We are the world champions in cricket after all <laughs> we can edit that bit out yeah, um, I thought you would
1: <laughs> this will in fact air this episode after, the, after we've won the Ashes so uh, that's okay yeah, yeah one man versus
2: England is amazing <laughs> isn't it uh, he's an amazing cricketer isn't
1: he he is phenomenal yeah. he will never be um, Steve Waugh well, sorry Mark's telling me to wind up here <laughs> so I, I talk about cricket too much on this podcast apparently that's right that's I've some got feedback. some sandpaper in my pocket <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, listen, we want to thank you You're a great brother, great encouragement uh, we we'll are praying for Co-Mission You can go to Dundonald website yep. uh, The Co-Mission website See what they're doing um, Nearly 30 churches yep. are planted at the moment The prayer is to plant five more each year yep. London, like Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane And the rest of Australia as well Desperately need the gospel And uh, we're thankful for our brothers from
2: the By north. God's grace only
1: Amen yep. Thanks Richard
2: Pleasure
0: That was fantastic, Derek. That's
1: gold. (laughs) Gee, champagne comedy. Well, we were just
0: directed to do a closer, so
1: that was our closer. Derek,
0: there were some great questions in there. I hope it
1: didn't finish on something that was inappropriate. (laughs) Some deep reveal from Richard there. But, yeah, it was. It was great talking to Richard, actually. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of uh, The One Thing.
0: If you like what you've listened to today... Please share this resource um, with others. I reckon it's really important to uh, to hear from pastors and experienced pastors about ministry. It's one of the most uh, helpful ways of, I think, reflection and learning. Um, So share this episode with others if you think
1: it might be helpful. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the One Thing. I'm Scott Sanders and I'm Derek Henna. Chat soon.